Madison over it. It is Madison! And he's done it! A phenomenal free kick from James Madison! Hello, we've torn ourselves away from light and we let us to the green final about the state of the Dons in the hope of winning the £10 star letter prize and instead we'll record this angry podcast about the state of the Dons. Uh, well, that's not strictly true. The show is going to be taking stock of the incomings during the 12 transfer windows that Derek McInnes has been in charge at Pataudry. We've tallied the votes, crunched the numbers that will at least a hint of scientific rigour are going to bring you the very best and the very worst of the, by our count, 56 senior signings up to the end of January 2019 that have warmed a bench for the first team. With me as ever is Martin Glynis. Martin, how would you gauge this summer's business so far using Seasons of the Simpsons as your ratings guide? Uh, wow. Um, it certainly wouldn't be anything between season two and ten. Let's go that far. Okay, that's a, that's a fair response. Uh, joining myself and Martin to crunch the numbers is a man of letters himself. The bonus ball signing completing our business is Simon Cato. Now, Simon's a Dons fan of many years standing and one of three people in the country that actually understands the SFA disciplinary process. Simon, two weeks to the European draw. Have you been studying coefficients and scouting possible opponents? Uh, I've been looking at the things that you tweet about it, Richard, but uh, nothing beyond that. Do you, uh, are you someone that actually cares how we qualified in the end, or was it just all about making sure we got there? Well, I've been at a golf outing today where I got some grief from some Kilmarnock fans, and that's probably the first time I was really too bothered. Beyond that, not really, no. That's probably the first time in a long, long time that anybody's ever had any grief from Kilmarnock fans. Uh, but anyway, ahead of this chat, I asked everyone to give a mark out of 10 to each of Derek McInnes' signings. And we're going to count down the best and worst of them. And we're going to split them into loan and permanent signings. Although, in fairness, some of the so-called permanent signings were here for a few weeks at most. And some of the loans have been at the club for 18 months. So it's a little bit of a grey line. But let's look first at the loan signings. And award yourself 10 top red points if you can remember every name that gets mentioned tonight. So, the man we rated as the fifth worst loan signing was Alan Tate. Or... To you, that's Alan Tate, League Cup winner. Martin? Yeah, um, he was actually, I mean, this is a kind of shameful thing I'm supposed to say, but I'd actually completely forgotten about him. When he came up, when he obviously came up on the list you emailed out, I had to look him up and yeah, didn't really, didn't really do very much for us, did he? One of these, one of these kind of random ones where I think it was just in about, you know, We've seen a lot of talk over the past couple, past couple of days about, you know, having a, str- a strong squad and bodies in and out here and there. Um, he seemed to be one of those ones. Now came here, didn't really, didn't really bring anything in terms of, you know, what was it, Swansea? I think he came on loan from. Um, was you no, know, we are thinking you're going to get this guy with all this with a bit of ability, hopefully going to you know start a lot of games and. 
he just didn't seem to do anything. I mean, it's a, it was what really one of the more un, more unremarkable loans I think we've ever had. Certainly, he had a decent pedigree, Simon, but uh, he was slow, very very slow. That's my one memory well, of Armitage. Well, uh, Martin says it was an unremarkable signing, but the remarkable thing about him for me was he was earning more than a million pounds a year. Um, I don't know what we were. I think we were paying about a grand a week towards that. But uh, he had a four-year deal at uh, at Swansea that was on uh, something around twenty-two, twenty-three thousand pounds a week. And I can only assume he had the the same agent as Ross McCormick. Uh, it seemed uh, incredible that he was getting paid as much as that. Uh, yeah, uh, not good enough. But yeah, on the bench at Park Red, still forever be a part of AFC history. Uh, one man that almost certainly will be no more than a footnote in any revised history of AFC that uh, gets around to being written is uh, a man who, well, who only knows that this is where Wikipedia can come in handy. Who of you have Wikipedia'd, if that's the word, which I know it's not, Jeffrey Monacana. Uh, well, I did that on the train on the way back from Glasgow this afternoon, actually, Richard. <laughs> So where is he then? He's at Wheelstone, apparently. <laughs> That's probably a couple of grades higher than I expected, actually. Anything to say on Jeffy Monacana, Martin? The, the, the attempted lollipops is perhaps the, the one thing that sticks in my mind. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he would be what he would would have been one of those ones that I just gave a gave a score of a one to. But um, I remember the attempted lollipops and, of course, the very very niche and poor attempt to kind of get the chant going for him that didn't work either so he got an extra point just for that because it would have been quite funny had he done anything we have kind of struggled we've tried a few times to bring in young attacking lone players wide players in particular i'm thinking wes burns is maybe a slight upgrade on on monacana then even you know josh barker would have been played out wide as well and we'll speak more about josh in a minute but it, it has been a struggle and i think it, it probably reflects that uh, you know what you might be able to do in an english reserve league for example isn't really any comparison to you know what you can expect to come up against in scotland I think it's, um, I wouldn't like to criticise Derek too much for making signings like Monacana because, you know, you, t- you travel around and go down and, and, as you say, watch a reserve game and there's a guy doing tricks, it looks like he's got a bit of pace and you think, oh well, we could, we could maybe just give him a go. And it's a bit different from giving somebody a four-year deal or spending a transfer fee or whatever. And if the boy shows up and it turns out that he can't really do it or that the fancy tricks that look good in a reserve game can't cut it at this level, then in a sense we haven't really lost anything. I don't know how many minutes Monacana got with us. He was a late sub in most of his games, I think. Um, so I, I wouldn't want to, uh, not that Derek will be listening to this anyway, but I wouldn't want to discourage him from making uh, inventive signings. Well, the third worst loan signing that we've rated also uh, came in in the summer of 2015, and uh, he came around about the same time as another man from his club, Liverpool. Danny Ward joined us. He was undoubtedly a success. And uh, Martin, can you remember who the other guy from Liverpool was? Um, is it that Ryan Ryan McLaughlin guy? Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Um. All I can remember, all I really remember him for is that I remember Grant being really impressed because he would do that no-look pass thing. <laughs> um, that's pre- that's the only thing I could say that I could even say that he contributed. And I think he, no, you'll maybe correct me, what did he, I think he played maybe three games. Would that be right? Um, did he, did that, he play in that League Cup game at Easter Road? Uh Simon, I, I think your memory might be better than me, mine here. Yeah, he did, and that's actually my only memory of him was that he he played in that game, which 
um, Graham Shinney got injured early on and we went to three at the back I think and McLaughlin played wide right on a five in midfield and he looked hopelessly unfit was my first thought of him and I couldn't believe I think at that time he had two full Northern Ireland caps and he'd a, a permanent contract with Liverpool but he looked way off that kind of level from, from what I could see yeah, I think Ryan McLaughlin had international caps in the same way that Lewis Stevenson has got international caps. Just basically being available for an end of season jaunt uh, out to <laughs> out to America. Uh, so Ryan McLaughlin, there, uh, un- you'll be unsurprised to hear he's no longer at Liverpool, uh, but uh, he-, he is still in the professional game. I think Oldham last time I saw. But yeah, just a bit of a waster during his time here, which. Uh, didn't amount to very much at all. He appeared to be significantly overweight as well, was another thing I remember about him. He had a lot going for him, basically. Um, now, the second worst signing, loan signing on this list, is a more recent one. And he's the man that played in a very big game for Aberdeen, a uh, very important role as well. And he, again, someone who had a contract at a very big club, uh, Chidi Nakwali who played in the Scottish Cup semi-final against Motherwell last year, deputising for the suspended Graham Shinney. That afternoon didn't go so well, um, and maybe that's reflected on the marks we've given, because we weren't kind. That afternoon was was bad all round, let's be honest, but uh, he took a knock, and I think, you know, it was... I don't think the injury was nearly as bad. If my memory serves, the injury wasn't really as bad. I think he... Well, we'll say his heart could be questioned ever so slightly, maybe, and that'll be kind to him. He did come on in the preceding round, uh, Simon, away at Kilmarnock, and sort of not quite changed the game, but certainly helped change the flow a little bit. I think there was a striker taken off. He was brought on just to just to try and wrench back the game in the middle of the park. It looked as if he wasn't entirely without merit at that point, but uh, his subsequent career what? probably suggests uh, that uh, he was. I remember him being quite a sort of controversial figure among uh, certainly uh, the people I chat to among the support because a bit of a Marmite figure, um, one or two fans actually seemed to think he was half decent. Whereas, I mean, I thought he was hopeless. And, and the other thing that annoyed me about him was he seemed to think that he had cannonball shooting, that he could attempt shots from 35, 40 yards. Uh, and uh, uh, that he, he did that on several occasions. Um, he then, uh, I think my lasting memory of him was in a feeble 2-0 defeat at Easter Road um, when he uh, played, I think, played more or less all the game then. And uh, uh, he had a hopeless attempt from a way, a long way out. And uh, no, I, I again very surprised to, to find out that he had a full time contract at, at Manchester City. And also, I seem to remember that he was one that Derek, when we signed him, said that he'd been tracking him for a long time and was delighted to get him. So he wasn't a, a random that we'd had given to us by an agent or something like that. He was someone that Derek had actually scouted. Yeah, that was a bit worrying. Came came to us after a spell in Norwegian football where he has the obligatory YouTube showreel featuring one of his long-range efforts that actually hit the net. Uh, but certainly during his time at the Dons, that wasn't repeated. <laughs> Bottom of the list. And the man we have rated as the worst loan signing in the six years that Derek McInnes has been here. We've mentioned him already. Just the, He won't care because the other week he got promoted up to the Championship in England. It's Josh Parker. Martin, I don't know about you, but my main memory of Josh Barker is basically being clean through in goal and falling over his own feet. That's that's the only notable thing that he did at Pataudry, isn't it? Um, I, I, was it? Was it Red Star Brigade he came from? Bizarrely, yes. Uh, when, one of the few things we've read over the last few days is about no talking about how McInnes doesn't no doesn't go into these kind of markets 
abroad. You know, he likes to, he's, you know, we know he said before he likes to get you know, UK and Ireland based players. And to be honest, uh, Josh Parker kind of backs that up. You know, I know he's, I know he's, you know, he's technically Antiguan, but he was born in England. Uh, but you know, there's like there's a guy who just didn't look remotely like a footballer when he was here. Uh, just unbelievably just looked off the pace, a little bit overweight, and then you and you talk about that, he, he cleans through on goal and he falls over his own feet. I don't know how many people were in Pataudry that day, but I think pretty much every single one of us laughed our arses off. Unbelievable. Inexplicably, Simon, he actually started, he started one league game for the Dons, as far as I can recall, and it was away at Inverness when we'd won the previous eight games. Uh, and he, you know, we changed the winning side to accommodate him. It was just a, just an odd signing at the time. And, uh, I guess he has shown that he, he wasn't without ability, but it just never clicked for him at Pedodri. I think, um, those of us of a certain age, when we found out we were signing a striker from Red Star Belgrade, maybe thought we were getting the next Darko <laughs> Panchev or something like that and, uh, got a bit excited. Uh, he, Parker also played, I think, in that miserable uh, League Cup defeat at Hibs, uh, which I can remember as well. Um, why you would change a team that had won eight games in a row to put Parker in it, I have absolutely no idea. Um, that said, it, it's maybe um, a useful comparison with the um, when people talk about the, the quality of the, the Scottish leagues and so on. Here we have a player who absolutely manifestly was way off the required level, who is now... Um, done well in League One and going to uh, presumably go up with them into the Championship uh, next year. So maybe there's something in that too. I think it was quite clear what he was trying to do without signing. He, he just wanted a pacey alternative. Uh, I mean, there have been other signings since Nicky Maynard, etc., who have, who have been signed to fit a profile almost more than you know to do with a footballing ability. But how he ended up at Red Star Belgrade in the first place is obviously a strange one. As I was going through your, your list, Richard, one thing that struck me was that um, with the um, exception of um, Rooney and, and probably Cosgrove, um, McInnes has a bit of a blind spot as far as strikers go. Uh, the quality of the strikers that we have signed on the whole has been notably poorer than the defenders and midfielders. You could be right, you could be right. The numbers maybe do point to that as well. Um, some of the other loan names that didn't... Fair too well was the Wes Burns, uh, Greg Stewart, his second spell, uh, scored a good couple of points lower on average than his first pretty unremarkable spell. James Wilson scores less than five on average as well. Uh, Simon Church just missed out on the top five, uh, and the top five is as follows. Number five is Michael Hector. Now, we speak about inexplicable. It, as well as he did at Aberdeen and as good a player that he was, for him to pitch up at Chelsea 18 months later was quite astonishing, Martin. That says more about, no, and Michael Hector, no, I think it's fair to say he's a, no, as a, as a talented as a talented footballer there, but I think that says more about how just how absolutely mental uh, English football is and you understand it's more about getting that quote of English players on your books and stuff like that uh, so I, I mean, I would, I'm, I'm prepared to be wrong but I don't think he's played a, played a minute for them has he? Um, for Chelsea no, would, no yeah there you go um, I know he's, he's on, he went on loan to Germany and here, he was about here and there um, no, I think it's all fair to say we all, we all really liked him when he was, at, when he was with us um, real, no, a talented footballer. Obviously, there's that goal that we all that we all remember him for. You know, it's one of these ones again. The loan is just here, not here long enough, unfortunately, to kind of 
to make an impact. We, I mean, everybody's spoken about trying to get him back. I saw quite a few people have actually mentioned that. And he was only here for, what, six months. Um, and there was a kind of misty-eyed, you know, looking back at him, thinking about, you know, if we could maybe get him back on loan and stuff like that or whatever. But, well, that's obviously not going to happen because he's on absolute, you know, a king's ransom now. With this contract, at, I presume his contract at Chelsea is still ongoing. Um, really good player. Really like watching him play. Um, just a shame that we couldn't have kept him for longer. I think for me, uh, Simon, the, the thing about Michael Hector was he'd already had, from Reading, a good number of loans at a pretty low level before he pitched up at Aberdeen. He'd be one of these guys now who, if uh, we were assigned now, people would be looking at his record and thinking, you know, what the hell is this, basically? Because he'd been at Shelbourne, he'd been at some English non-league teams. There was nothing to suggest he'd be able to cut at this level, because he wasn't that young either. No, also, um, he, you know, I think players do require some uh, senior football experience. He maybe hadn't had a huge amount of that at the clubs he'd been at. And also, I think when he first got in uh, the team, you know, he wasn't a regular when he when he first arrived. And he, um, I think most of his games for us were at right back rather than in centre defence, which is where he's, uh, which is where he's ended up. And I think, um, probably the fans took to him partly because of his, um, the effort that he put in and, uh, you know, the, the, the will to win that he showed, maybe rather than he, he looked quite raw in some of the games I, I remember at the, at the beginning of his stint with us. And then the goal that uh, Martin was talking about against Partick Thistle, I think was a bit of a turning point for him because, it um, it made him look like a, a real player, and after that, I think he got a lot of uh, confidence from that. So, uh, well, definitely, uh, definitely deserves his place in your top five. Well, fourth on the list is a uh, another, as most of the guys on the loan list are, to be fair, but another young uh, prospect from the English leagues, one that's uh, been with us this season just passed, Max Lowe, who's slotted in very well at left back, played over forty games this season. Uh, Martin, you actually marked Max quite a bit lower than the average. Any particular reason for that? Or just because he's a loan signing, you don't feel as if you know he deserves a higher score as some of the permanent guys? I think I was probably a little bit harsher on some of the loan ones. Um, you know, I think I gave, I think I gave low, Max, I think I gave him the same as Michael Hector as well. Um, you know, there's some of these, I mean, he's been here for, for a season. Um, I don't and he has been you know, very, and he's been very good for us. There has been moments, obviously, where you know we, we've we've mentioned in in past shows that you know, he's been found wanting here and there. Had we maybe achieved a little bit more this season, a second final perhaps, or dare I say, even you know even finishing third in the league, then I may have thought slightly different. That's not to take anything away from him. If he's able to come back next season, I would snap uh, Derby's hand off. He made a very positive impact, Simon. And he's. Uh... His season's work has um, seen him go to the Under-20 World Cup with the England team. Might not be the World Cup, but it's some uh, tournament this summer anyway with the England. That's the sort of research you get on this show. Uh, some sort of tournament this summer with the England Under-20 team anyway. So uh, so he's he's very much on the right track. And, um, you know, when you, when you bring in someone like this, it's always a question of, uh, you know, how well is he going to adapt to the additional demands of playing First team football, but he, he took to it like a duck to water, didn't he? Yeah, and I think two things about Max Lowe. One is that uh, his athleticism is really impressive. So his uh, physique, pace, 
um, you know, he, he really looks looks the part. And uh, that, I think, um, you notice a, a difference in his sort of his size and physicality compared to um, some of the players. You know, he's, he's, he's got the pace, but he's also big and strong. The other thing is, I think he really announced himself at the, the League Cup final, which is a pretty disappointing day generally for quite a number of the team. But um, Lowe was up against Forrest, who had was right in the middle of an enormous purple patch at that point, had been playing well for Scotland and for, for Celtic. And uh, I thought Lowe was absolutely fantastic in that game. And that was, to me, that was him demonstrating he could play in a really, really big game and, and play well. Um, so I, I, I think that was probably a bit of a turning point where maybe Lowe had been a you know, decent, uh, but maybe not that eye-catching loan signing up until that point. And then suddenly... Uh, the fans and, and well, I'd include myself in this, realised, gosh, we've actually got a, a player in our hands here. Well, number three on the list is a man who will uh, possibly be heard a great deal of this summer as rumours intensify that uh, Man United are looking to buy him for the small matter of £60 million. Pounds. <laughs> uh, James Madison's time at Pitaudry. Unfairly, perhaps, but it will always be remembered for that one magical moment at home on August the 25th, 2016. Just a most perfect free kick that you can ever wish to hit against the best opponents you would want to hit against, Simon. Yes, and uh, if you score a last-minute winner against Rangers, then clearly you're going to do well in this kind of uh, vote. Uh, But actually, the, the game I remember Madison better for was a game away at Kilmarnock. Um, where I think Aberdeen won 4-0 and Madison uh, was full of tricks and flicks and and nutmegs and just generally looked completely unplayable and that was probably the first time I think before that you know, he'd had the Rangers goal, but in some of the games he'd looked a little bit lightweight and that you might be able to knock him off the ball a little bit and uh, you know uh, we're maybe wondering why if this boy was so good, why were um, Norwich willing to let us have him for for half the season if he was rated the way that he was? And then there was this game at Kilmarnock, and um, there's a there's a a video on YouTube where there's a sort of montage of all Madison's top moments, and quite a number of them come from this match in Kilmarnock. And there's a goal that we scored. I can't remember who scored it at the end of the day, but um, Madison I think does at least two nutmegs in the build up to the goal. Um, and at that point, I thought, gosh, this, this boy really is a, a, a real player. And I think it's great for um, all the fans to be able to watch a player who's been with Aberdeen develop and you see him playing for Leicester and playing well and getting a lot of, of kudos, getting in the England squad and now possibly getting a, a move to Man United or something like that. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, he wasn't with us for very long, but... Um, uh, Madison was was you know really really good in in a lot of games when he was with us and I think the on the negative side one thing that people also remember is the three nil uh, cup final defeat the league cup final defeat where he just did look a little bit lost in that game I think but but overall Madison was was superb yeah he was kind of playing as an, an inverted winger that day ahead of Nam again it was a, it was a strange tactical setup it didn't do him any favors but. To be fair, there were league games towards the end of his spell, Martin, where he, he wasn't in the starting eleven. People at the time were calling him like a luxury player, someone we couldn't afford. But a team that was really struggling to create chances and score goals at the beginning of that season, 16-17. I think his arrival, his impetus, 
it helped kickstart the team, helped kickstart some of our more creative players and Johnny Hayes now again and, and Kenny McLean and really led the way to what's been the freest scoring season we've had in about 25, 30 years. Was it the game before game before the Raiders game was away at Dundee um, where it was on the, on the telly? And Pardon? That was his full debut, yeah. Well, that's full debut, yeah. And obviously, I mean, the guys on the t- TV were like us, were, were raving about him. You know, I mean, there was clearly, you know, despite being a young player, there was clearly, you know, a heap of ability there. And it is, you know, Simon's right to say, you know, that that League Cup final was so disappointing. It just, um, it, it go, I think, it, one of those where it goes to show where an inexperienced player just kind of, I wouldn't say he got bullied out of the game, but he just just f- failed to make any form sort of impact. I think that he was, he was sort of just taken care of in that day um, and after that you know there were some performances where I thought he was okay and that but I think we could probably all say he was going to go on to to bigger and better things and I think that even now he's you know, playing an English Premiership there's there's more to come from him he's you no know, he was you know, doing pretty decent last season I can think he's only going to do better so um, he's one of the ones that I suppose that once a dawn nonsense will get trotted out about so we can we can claim a bit of glory from him well I have been waiting for him to make his England debut as he would be the first Aberdeen player to uh, to ever get capped by England, so um, we have I've been patiently waiting for that. I'm not saying that I've got a tweet saved in uh, in tweet deck, but I have been patiently waiting for that. Uh, James Madison's at Leicester right now. Another man who's at Leicester is uh, Danny Ward, and uh, we went from having Scott Brennan goal to having Danny Ward in goal, uh, Simon, and the contrast was pretty clear. Well, it wasn't just having uh, Scott Brown in goal before that, with a whole series of inadequate goalkeepers over a period of you know, years. I mean, we're talking 20 years, I think, that we had. I mean, um, whilst Langfield had his day in Nipro and all the rest of it, oh, you know, he really wasn't at the same level as Ward. And I think uh, the first time I, I saw um, Danny Ward was, and I, I can't, you'll be able to remember, Richard, but one of the European away um, games that uh, I watched on uh, on uh, the the Premier Sports Channel, and uh, immediately I thought, "Gosh, this boy looks really, really good." Um, and uh, fr- he just fitted in immediately, uh, brilliant with the fans, and just looked like a, a real player. And also, um, didn't look like a young player who was making his way. You know, it looked like a guy who would get into your first team and was there to to cement himself a first team place. And to be honest, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that he's ended up being a twelve and a half million sub goalkeeper. Um, the guy should really be a first choice uh, somewhere in the in the Premier League, you know, or, or or even you know in the in the Championship. I watched the Derby Leeds uh, semi final in the Championship, and both goalkeepers were absolutely horrendous. And meanwhile, um, Danny Ward sitting on the bench um, all year at, at Leicester, which just kind of shows you the way uh, English football operates just now. But uh, Ward was a, a a transformation, I think, because previously. Uh, the, maybe the view of the management had been that the goalkeeping position would kind of take care of itself and it wasn't one that you would really focus on and I think maybe the difference that Ward made and and the difference that also we noticed when he left which I think was really important he left, as I recall, very abruptly we kind of thought that he was going to get to stay for the rest of the season and then I think Jurgen Klopp was maybe appointed and, and the view was that he should go back to Liverpool and, and uh, be, be assessed with all the rest of their players and, and we, we noticed a big drop in standard uh, you know, after that for the rest of the season and uh, I think that was a major factor in us going out and, and spending whatever it's taken to get Joe Lewis who is, has also obviously also been uh, tremendous as well so I think uh, Ward's a really really important signing in that respect 
Martin, do you still throw darts at your Jurgen Klopp dartboard for recalling him in January 2016? Even though I was a little bit harsher on some of the some of the other lone players, you know, I, I gave Danny Ward quite a quite a high score. He was part of you know the, probably the greatest away result of the modern era in Aberdeen. You know that that Rijeka game. Um, and he certainly certainly played his part as well. Um, it was it was really crushing when he went back um, back on back to back to Liverpool because um, I think they had I think they had Adam Bogdan as their second choice goalkeeper at the time. Who you know, Danny Ward goes and gets his twelve million pound move to to Leicester, and Adam Bogdan goes on loan to Hibs. Um, so you can tell who the, you can tell the who the quality goalkeeper was out of those two. Well, the the man the man we voted as the best loan signing in Derek McInnes' time here um, did end up being here for eighteen months. To be fair, he had a little bit of hostility to overcome at first from a based on a tweet from years and years ago where he said that he fucking hates sheep shaggers. It was Ryan Christie who basically replaced James Madison um, in winter twenty seventeen. Now. There's all sorts of subtext to this about whether we should be signing players, uh, whether we should be loaning players rather from Celtic or from other uh, Scottish Premier League teams. But you can't really deny the impact that Christie had. Straight away in that first six months and then certainly during the first two thirds, let's say, of the the full season that followed. Uh, So Simon, you in particular scored him very highly. Yes, uh, I, I'm, I think it's a real shame that we were never able to get uh, Christie permanently and I think there, there's all these rumours about whether there was an opportunity to do that or whether it was a gentleman's agreement or, or whatever um, but clearly we thought that it was, he was someone who was going to be a long-term part of the, the, the future for us and I think when you look at the, the team that we had in the uh, lead-up to the um, what I refer to as the, the Hayes-McLean final um, that that part of that season where we had a fantastic attacking team, we were thrashing teams repeatedly, scoring a lot of goals. Um, Christie was really a big part of that. And then at the start of the following season, when we had the European qualifiers, he played really well in the, the two-leg game, scored at Pataudry in the one-all draw, and then scored um, over there as well. And just generally, I thought, right, he is going to absolutely motor on for us. And I think we probably all thought that there was a real opportunity to, to get him. And then um, towards the end of that season, um, and you'll get your facts right more than I will, but Malky Mackay had a short stint as Scotland manager and picked Christie from the start in a game against Holland at Pataudry. And I think at that point... Um, when he was being um, picked for a game like that ahead of quite a number of more established uh, players, it may well have made um, Celtic sit up and think, well, I know it's a Ronnie Dyla signing, but actually the boy may have something and we should probably, before we just let him off to Aberdeen, we should probably get a proper look at him. And I think that's a real shame. And I think the other thing about him is that we would be naturally inclined to think that guys coming and loan to us from the old firm either might might think it was a step down or might not that be that interested or fans might not take to them. And actually, Christy absolutely bought into the whole thing. You know, he, he really tried hard and, and um, uh, I think it's just a, a shame that he's, he's, you know, we've obviously got absolutely no hope of getting him now. He's, he's going to go on and have a what looks like a real stellar career. And um, yeah, I think it's uh, just a real shame we couldn't get him permanently. Martin, did he, did he win you over by the end? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know, you know, good performances and goals will will do that for pretty much well, pretty much anybody. Um, you know, there's some real classy moments in there. Uh, some 
some wonderful football um, as well. Obviously, so the goal. I think you know, the goal we voted him. You know, the goal that's the goal of the season uh, was at the goal against Motherwell, which was just just sublime. Uh, real, you no, know, another guy who has just bags and bags of talent, and it's such a shame that we couldn't get him. You know, uh, if if again, if rumours are to be believed, like uh, like Simon was saying there, you know, it was it was very close to being done, and at the last minute, Celtic backed out because I think they realised what what they actually had on their hands there. I don't think they had any kind of clue of you no know, how good a player he would actually be, and he's and annoyingly, you know, it's kind of came back and he showed showed against us just how good he is. He's um, Quite frustratingly, he is a he's an excellent footballer. Um, probably you no, know, probably a guy who not quite probably the same level as Madison, but certainly a guy who could go on and you know achieve a lot more in the game than just um, playing in Scotland. I think it's fair to say that we we probably the the loan signings largely probably because of the limited time they were mostly here. They probably did, were marked lower than the permanent signings. Ryan Christie overall would have been would have been ranked six, but he's he is who we ranked as our the best loan signing of a Derek McInnes era. So permanent signings now, and these are your bottom ten. So joint tenth, and they're kind of almost inseparable in terms of a their impact and b you know the sort of position they were bought to fill. Uh, Miles Story and Nicky Maynard. I want to pick the bones out of that, those two, Simon. Uh, yes, I can do. I think um, Miles' story, um, I actually think the, the issue with him was that he was made to look good by Ryan Christie during his seri- uh, season in uh, Inverness. Uh, I think also that um, we seem to have a thing about uh, signing players who score against us. I remember uh, Story scoring against us uh, in a 2-1 defeat up in Inverness as well. Um he did look like he had the the pace, and that he'd be one you know, a really useful sub, a guy who might um, you know be able to make things happen when other when other people couldn't. And the irony was, he finally scored a decent goal for us, literally in his last minute for us before he uh, before he left uh, against Hamilton in the the um, opening day of the the following season. I think. The, the, the trouble for a story is that he's always going to be remembered for that awful miss when he was standing on the goal line and, and, and couldn't get it in. And I think it's quite hard to recover. I mean, I presume that the, the guys in training gave him an absolute ribbing for it, but it's going to be very hard to recover when you make such a rick as that in the, in a, in a professional match. I mean, it didn't, it's the sort of thing you'd see at Sheddixley. I, I mean, I think, and, and now when you see him and he was in and out of the team at Partick last year, and I think the reality is that the season at Cali made him appear better than he actually was. I think is the the truth about that. Um, Maynard uh, Maynard joined us having had two two million plus moves in his career, and last season was banging them in for for Bury, including a spectacular bicycle kick that did the rounds on uh, on Twitter after he, he scored it. Um, I actually think Maynard just suffered a real crisis of confidence with us and was actually a half decent player. He um, in that same game, the Hamilton game, Maynard was clean through. And should have scored and, and hit the goalkeeper's feet. And then after that, he was always getting his, um, you know, his ten or fifteen minutes at the end of a game. The ball never seemed to run for him. Uh, the Nicky Nogles nickname sort of arrived and stuck. And uh, I was really hoping he would get a goal by the end. To be honest, I felt quite sorry for him. He's come, come all the way to Aberdeen, which will seem like a long way from home for him. And uh, and failed to score for an entire season. It could have actually brought the curtain down in his whole career. So. Um, 
but I mean, I agree, both of them fully merit their their place. But I would say that the difference between the two is that I don't think Story was ever really good enough for Aberdeen at all. Whereas Maynard, to me, is actually a player. He just didn't he failed to deliver when he was here. Martin, I wonder if uh, Miles Story might have fared even worse if if we'd actually all remember that he probably cost us money from Swindon. It's something that people do forget because it would have been a... He was an out-of-contract situation, but um, he, he st- I think he still would have been subject to a cross-border fee. So, but but uh, Richard, we got 40 grand back from Partick, I think. That's true, not. that's true. Up there with the John Stewart money. Um, so when you <laughs> factor that in, and the fact that he very nearly was playing League One football this season uh, with Partick Thistle, it doesn't look like the smartest bit of business we've ever done. No, it doesn't. Um, yeah, a guy who just no, no, there was all these no, again rumors and all this kind of stuff. You know that he was you no, know, and Maynard was the same as well. You read these rumors that no, oh, they're, they're they're flying in training. You no, know, they look really sharp. All this kind of stuff. You know, yeah, the manager really rates them, and it just didn't it just didn't transfer onto the pitch. Uh, neither of them did no, neither anything really of note, um, and just two guys whose time. Time at Aberdeen just 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 passed by, uh, you know. And Maynard, like Simon says, there, you no know, Maynard's had like million pound transfers, you know, go, go past him, and he's like, there's there's clearly, you know, I know I know that you no, know, the lower leagues in England are very overrated, but there's clearly a player there that he's able to score all these goals. I mean, um, you know, there are there are there are better players that have gone down there and not achieved, not scored, been able to score as many goals as that. So there's clearly a clear player in there, especially with Maynard. Um, just, you know, I presume it's, maybe there is a pressure that comes with playing for Aberdeen. Well, there's another tie uh, of three players who are joint seventh. Uh, Nicky Weaver is one of them. We have a real diner on winners of that 2013-14 League Cup, don't we? Because that's the second one with a winner's medal from that uh, tournament that's featured in the, the worst of lists. Uh, I mean, obviously, backup goalkeeper, played a couple of games, came on after... Uh, played at Tencastle, I think, after Jamie Langfield was sent off against Celtic. Gave away a very avoidable second goal. Um, just you know, it's the curse of the backup goalkeeper, isn't it, Martin? He was a guy who came in and you know, I think I only even scored only scored him a two. You know, Langfield was you know his position as position as number one was was fairly safe. He comes in, Nicky Weaver, just as a guy who you know, isn't really going to challenge for the number one spot at all. Um, he was there sitting on the bench when we won the league cup, so thanks for that, but. No, he's not. Re- no, again, he didn't really contribute anything. He was just a guy who who kind of came in to be to be a number two, um, and I don't think he really gave anything back. So you know, you, ca- you can't really give him a decent score. Were you expecting something better, Simon? Given that um, it had only been a year or two since he'd had a, a good season at Dundee United, were you expecting more of a challenge to Langfield? Yeah, I think he's probably most famous for the Man City Gillingham, uh, you know, running the length of Wembley after the the one on penalties, but. Um, uh, my memory of Weaver is that um, the, the game at Tyne Castle where he completely sold the winner in the last couple of minutes by uh, totally failing to deal with a, quite a simple cross. Um, I think as we're going through these scores, it does seem harsh that Weaver's um, further up this list than Story because Story had the horrendous miss that we were talking about earlier and got far more chances than Weaver did to put it right. So maybe it's just being a, a sub-goalie. Um, I, I think that... Um, if you're going to be the backup guy and you know that you're coming um, to be the backup guy, you need to be like Thomas Cherney, you know, so that 
you come in, you look solid, you spread confidence uh, amongst the team. And I think that's what you're looking for from the backup goalkeeper, that when the opportunity comes, it passes without incident. Um, and that didn't happen with Weaver, unfortunately. But um, with hindsight, it was maybe a wee bit harsh. If he's, if he's finished up higher up this list than, uh, than Story, that seems, that seems a bit unfair. Well, there's another backup keeper who's tied with Nicky Weaver in seventh, uh, and uh, he was the backup to the backup to the backup to the backup, really. Uh, how, be honest, you two, did you have to Google Aaron Lennox? I did, yes. <laughs> Poor Aaron Lennox, uh, from Australia by way of QPR, played in a end-of-season game against Ross County where we got horsed 4-0, uh, signed up for another year after that, then went to uh, Wraith Rovers on loan and got his face smashed in, and I don't think played <laughs> played there again. One appearance, conceded for not the best of um, debuts and definitely not the best of only appearances for Aaron Lennox. A couple of things about him. First of all, in, in that 4-0 game, I don't think he had any chance with the goals. One of them I remember was a 35-yard rocket. But I also remember Boyce banging them in, and really the game was all about Barry Robson retiring, from what I recall. So I don't... A bit harsh to blame the goalkeeper. And um, on, a, on a less important note, I've met him and he's really nice. So uh, harsh for him to be on this list, to be honest. OK, well, I'm glad Annie brought him up well. Also on Tide 7th is... Uh, Someone who, quite remarkably, Martin gave four points out of ten to, which, on its own, you might think it's acceptable, but it's only one less than he gave to Niall McGinn. Uh, Greg Tansey, Martin. He was a guy who, we know the manager had been chasing for a while. Um, you know, big things were expected of him. And as critical as we of as him, as we were of him, sorry, uh, for that horrific performance at uh, Rangers... Um, and I know he only played what I think he only played what ten, twelve games. Um, you know, in hindsight, I think my score is reflect is in hindsight. You know, knowing what we know now, um, I think had he just had he just disappeared off the planet because he, because of injuries, then it would have been a lot harsher on him. Um, so I think I've probably been a little bit little bit kinder to him because I know fine he was he was really struggling with injuries here for us. Um, I think he was. I think that he was a guy who we thought was going to. I I personally thought was going to come in and was going to do really well for us. I was really looking forward to him and you know a couple of performances and he looked okay and we thought you know we thought we had something there. Um, unfortunately, it just didn't just didn't work out at all for him with the, you know the injuries and the botched operations and stuff like that. And you know you hope he, you hope he can kind of get get back on back on his career back on track now but um perhaps perhaps that score is a little bit too kind on him but um i think it's more i was hoping for so much more from him yeah we weren't really showing him any mercy simon we get we give him a one um and i i think you'd agree thank god we didn't spend money on him tansy i mean there was a there was an alarm bell for me to begin with because he he had been at inverness and then gone to stevenage i think and hadn't cut it there at all and had then come back so when, about a year later, we were trying to spend 200000 on him, I was a bit concerned about that. Um, but, I mean, for, for um, slightly surprised to hear that Martin only gave Nell McGinn a point more than him, uh, I find that extraordinary, really. Uh, no, Tansy has a very nice way of striking the ball and is very good at taking corners. But he comes across as a bit weak. Uh, and I think, you know, in a, in a real central midfield tussle, he's just far too feeble. Was, was my view of him The performance at Rangers was obviously awful But he hadn't really been contributing at all In any meaningful way before then either And I just um, My view was um, What did we actually see in him that made us think That this guy was going to be able to uh, hold down a first team place 
Sixth worst permanent signing, according to us, uh, was uh, another kid who didn't really get a chance. Uh, Joe Nuttall, uh, who put a couple of end of season uh, substitute appearances to his name around about the same time as Avon Lennox, I think. Um, but he didn't score terribly well, possibly because, again, he was one we probably had to Google. Fifth worst, Greg Wilde. I hate Greg Wilde. Yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't judge you for that at all, Richard. Um, I did enjoy, I did enjoy. I, I can't, I can't remember who it was. Someone tried to defend him on on the Twitter Twitter earlier on, and you just piled straight in. I enjoyed that. Um, yeah, um, a guy who who just completely overrated uh, because he used to play for them. Came here, did absolutely nothing. Um, again, if rumours are to be believed, I came up here with a massive chip on his shoulder and a massive attitude, um, and doesn't have the talent to back it up. Uh, just a, an awful, an awful signing. Just a complete waste of time in a red shirt. And Simon, there the was a place in that 2013-14 team for him because Johnny Hayes had not had a very good first season under Craig Brown. Hayes was being shoehorned into centre midfield and to left back. There was definitely an opening for him if he'd hit the ground running, which he absolutely didn't do. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, my memory of Wilde is that he had been a, an up-and-coming star at Rangers that the, was popular with fans, had scored a, a big goal in a game against Celtic from memory, had been one of the guys who, and I can't remember the exact circumstance of this, but managed to walk out on Rangers without incurring the wrath of their fans and got himself a contract at Bolton, who were at the time in the Premiership, and so presumably had done very well out of all of this and saw himself as a you know future Scotland international, possibly a, a, a guy who was Premier League standard. And having left that and come to Aberdeen, I think he assumed that he would just be first choice every week. And you never know what was said to him when he was persuaded to join us and all the rest of it. But at that time, he would have had quite a number of clubs that would have been vying for his, um, for his signature. My, my only memory of him doing well was in a game at Easter Road where I think him and Vernon scored, both of them scored near the end. But um, the other thing that, the thing that really put me off him was, and uh, it may well have been Derek giving him a, a sort of public bollocking, but I have a recollection of him coming and moaning to Derek about not getting a game. Um, at a time when he wasn't really doing enough to get, but well, I mean, by that time, in fairness, Johnny Hayes was doing a lot better than he had in his first season anyway, and was kind of securing that left wing position. But um, Wild went and had a, a moan to the manager about not getting a game, and I think had asked at Christmas time if he could go out on loan so he could get a game time if if uh, he wasn't going to get a game with us. And I think that kind of attitude is not um, the kind of thing that endears you to the supporters either. So. You know, a guy that came with, with probably quite big expectations and really didn't deliver at all. Yeah, a guy signed on a three-year deal that was out the door after six months, um, which yeah. I think says a great deal. Uh, someone else who was signed on a long-term deal and left after six months was Chris Forrester. And we obviously, we're now aware of some of the background to that. But uh, And who knows what was percolating prior to his the actual death of his sister, but uh, clearly a big disappointment. Um, another signing from this season, who makes the bottom three now, Greg Halford, Martin. <laughs> I mean, I think that um, I think we're probably you know uh, Greg Halford rightly got a one um, because you know 
I, I, did, I didn't look up exactly how many minutes he played before well how many minutes he was on the pitch before going down with that with the injury um, it seemed to be about no it seemed to be about 90 seconds or something um, he, no, a guy who a guy who comes in because we don't because no the first choice right back is injured and then you know we're 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 struggling for bodies uh, no, he was never going to be. I think he was never going to be anything other than just a short-term stopgap. But uh, no, he didn't do anything to to kind of warrant himself getting getting some starts or getting some game time. Um, you know, I think probably Shea Logan came back a little bit a little bit too early. Um, I kind of hope you know. I hope he didn't. But you know, he didn't look. Shea didn't look great toward at the end of the season there after coming back from the injury. Um, just Greg, I'll just a guy who you know. Been at, been at quite a few clubs, not really made much of an impact, really. Um, yeah, just a guy who he's just a body who's came in and he's one of those kind of quiz questions in years years gone years in the future that will will nobody will get right. Maybe you will, Richard, but that's about it. Well, he'd played hundreds of games at Championship level for the likes of Hull and Nottingham Forest, but I mean the the thing that that put me off him was that he'd been without a club since last summer, so. That makes you think, well, right, if we're getting him as a stopgap signing, how fit is he going to be? How What's his touch going to be like? He's, is he going to be able to just pick up and, and run? In the list of um, poor signings, though, um, to me, this was maybe not a stupid gamble by, by Derek. We had, um, as Martin said, with some challenges in the position, and there was a guy that was you know, relatively tried and tested at a decent level who was available and could come in and join the squad. And the fact that he, I mean, I don't think he was disgracefully terrible in the very short time that he, he got to play for us. He just didn't look like he was ever going to be part of the, the, the picture. So I don't think it was a, to me, I mean, he probably deserves his, what did I give him, Richard? One? No, zero? you give him zero. Zero. Well, um, but I, I, I'm really arguing against myself now, but I, I don't think he was a, I, I don't think, there's a difference between a, sort of a, a poor player, if you like, and a, and a bad signing. And, you know, a bad signing is one where we blow the entire budget for the, for the summer on a guy who's, who repeatedly plays and is hopeless. But a, a stopgap guy who barely costs anything and, and, you know, might have been needed to be called upon, but wasn't really, I don't think that was a disgrace of a signing by McInnes. Those are all fair points, but I can personally say that I marked him down for his ridiculous whinge on Twitter towards the end of the season when he obviously wasn't <laughs> picked in the squad for the last last match of the season. Uh, Greg, enjoy your retirement, mate. Um, so, someone who managed even less time on the pitch than Greg Halford is uh, the man that we have ranked as the second worst permanent signing of all time. And that's, uh, this was a strange one, Andrew Driver. So, big reputation, decent career at heart, went off to America, came back without a club. We picked him up in March 2015. He played once at Dundee and then was gone again that summer, off to, uh, I think, the Dutch second division. This just never quite got a handle on what the thought process here. I mean, if he'd come in and was was really poor, why did he start, what was the intention, was he just using this to get fit? So many questions about this one, Martin. Yeah, this is this is because one of the ones where you go down where like you can talk about like we say there about Halford. You can understand why someone like that's you no know, is brought in and you no, know, you can understand why you no know, he doesn't get minutes or this kind of stuff. But you know, driver's a weird one because you know, there's a decent player or there was a decent player there. Uh, you know he played he played like 150 games for Hearts or something. 
no, no, at no, at a level that is no, obviously Hearts is beneath Aberdeen, but no, he's played a played a decent amount of games, and just there is it's one of the it's a mystery of why he comes in and like you say one game and then nothing just nothing happens doesn't get anywhere near no and we'll never I suppose it's one of these we'll never know because you know know, Derek is quite secretive and you know this kind of gossip never comes out Um, but it's a strange one because there's a guy there who you know we thought was there was a chance of him maybe doing something. It's a weird one because I would, you know, you, it was with a little bit, it was a little bit excited when he comes in because you know there's a player there, um, and then from to not be able to to come in and just do, you know, the square root of nothing, it's just it's just weird. Was it not an extended trial? I mean, the the guy was was out of contract, but at a point sort of. Um, for what for us was mid to late season, but for him was at the end of his season, and he's a guy who, you know, not only had he done well at Hearts, but he had repeatedly done well against Aberdeen. So uh, I thought that we were taking him on to see whether or not he could uh, he could cut it, and the answer obviously was no. Yeah, it's just a very strange one. I mean, the fact that he actually started that game at Dundee as well just kind of adds to the weirdness. I take your point. Again, a short-term punt that didn't pay off. Sort of people that didn't make the top ten who will be costing this club a lot more and were much more significant uh, purchases. We've spoken a great deal about some of them. Um, but, yeah, he, he is uh, possibly because of the, the circumstances we ranked as the second-worst permanent signing. Um, now, there were two people on this list of 56 players who didn't play a single minute for Aberdeen. One of them was um, Neil Alexander. Now, Neil Alexander averaged 5 out of 10. <laughs> Neil Alexander scored higher than Greg Stewart, than Dominic Ball, than Tommy Hoban, than James Wilson, than Anthony O'Connor. The man who's bottom of the heap didn't play a single minute either. Callum Morris... So far away from even the sort of standard of being a squad member, I think Martin just, just like, again, just a sort of body, wasn't he? Yeah, just like I mean, there's, there's no, I don't know. Nobody seems to know the, the rhyme or reason as to why, why he was brought in because he did, he did nothing, you know, um, and then disappeared, you know, disappeared, you know, fairly quickly as well after six months. Um, I think it was. The most telling thing that a contribution I think he made was I think it was maybe last year or was what was it one of the I think it was one of the, the AFC Heritage quizzes or something like that. Put, no, he was in the picture around and loads of people couldn't get it because nobody because I'm sure it was the AFC Heritage yeah, quiz you're or right, something. You're some, right. Somebody posted it on Twitter and um, and nobody knew what he looked like um, despite the fact there's a room of like absolute super fans there and like hardly anybody knew who he was. Um, like just another another bizarre one. Um, no, not really sure what was going on there. No, whether there was injuries or whether whatever was going on. But just another another one who came in was only here for six months, um, and no disappeared off into the night. I don't think we'll miss him, and I don't think he's one of those that will come back and haunt us in the future. Thankfully, but um, but yeah, not a good signing by by any stretch of the imagination. Well, Richard, before we move away from the, the bottom ten, if I can interrupt for a second, uh, there, are, there are two missing from that list. So um, two points I want to raise. Um, one is <laughs> Calvin Zola is not on that list. Yeah. And realistically, he is the worst footballer that McInnes <laughs> has signed. And I know that you know we did our points thing and all the rest of it, but Zola was absolutely awful. 
And he probably... What did I give Zula? One. You gave him a one. Martin and myself gave him four. Well, I mean, he, he, he scored the winner against Dundee United once and he won a penalty against Hearts. But, I mean, he really... I mean, for a guy who was signed to be our main striker, you know, this was not... Uh, you know, we've got Andy Driver and, and Callum Morris who were, you know almost trialists really or stopgap guys or whatever Zola was a main it was a main summer signing for us who was meant to lead the attack and he was absolutely awful so you know how he has managed to escape the, the bottom 10 out of 56 seems extraordinary well I think it's interesting isn't it with Zola because he was basically part of a team that transformed our fortunes and you know we went from a team that weren't winning to a team with him in it maybe not contributing enough but with him in it and playing a part were winning games so he you know for me he is remembered for his part in that um maybe i missed some of his most hapless performances but you know he did his i recall him on his debut against kilmarnock doing his job relatively effectively got that winner against dundee united uh scored against partick thistle a couple of times really disliked them for some reason but yeah you're right he was a guy signed on a two-year deal again cup loose after one year just didn't make quite the impact didn't have the athleticism yeah, I'd compare him in some respects to you know Hearts have signed um, Ikpiezu and he had that build but without that athleticism and you could see what, what was trying to go through McInnes's mind and obviously it's been replicated since with guys like Stockley and Cosgrove he, he likes to play somebody like that up there to help us get up the pitch yeah, so I mean, to me, he absolutely, definitely belongs in the well, the bottom five from around the bottom ten. Um, and and the other um, thing I should mention is that I uh, I did a quick in advance of this a quick straw poll of a bunch of guys on my uh, my Don supporting WhatsApp group, and I just asked the question, who is the worst uh, signing under McInnes? And the same name came up. Uh, unanimously, and it's not one of the ten that uh, that you've mentioned there, and that was Stevie May. Everyone said Stevie May. Yeah, and uh, pound for pound, I, I think that would probably be the case. Uh, and yeah. If we'd asked that question, then then I dare say, but uh, we all scored him three out of ten, which is not a good mark. Let's be honest. But uh, just one thing on the just one thing on the Calvin Zola thing. I mean, I gave him yeah, I gave him four out of ten. Um, that is probably slightly biased as well because I really enjoyed um, the game where he you know, he really rattled Falkirk to the point where he nearly got himself sent off and then Scott Vernon came on and scored a hat-trick on the way to us obviously doing very well in the League Cup that season so um, he gets he gets a couple extra bonus points from me for that um, because you know, he could have been sent off but he shook them up just enough and that's another League Cup winning business. that's another League Cup medalist that you're dissing Simon what, is, what have you got against that league what have you got against that team I don't think Calvin I remember seeing Calvin Zola with a pair of headphones around in a, in a suit on the pitch I don't think Calvin Zola's got a medal he, he, would, have, he would have got a medal for playing in the earlier rounds Ah right. Okay. I think, yeah, I think he was he was sitting in the stands with Michael Hector, wasn't he? He was with uh, Big Josh in the stands. Yeah. It's a very <laughs> a very generous analysis of the Falkirk game that uh, Zola Zola was subbed off and the boy that came on scored a hat trick and Zola gets some credit for that. Softened oh, them, yeah. them up. <laughs> he stated he, he totally softened them up. They were they were like putty in Scott Vernon's hands after that. It's like the guy at the other end keeping things tight when a bowler gets a five for you know you got to give you got to give the guy some credit. Um, but no. I... <laughs> It, I think for me that's it, the fact that, you know, he was undoubtedly a poorer player than some of the strikers we'd had in the years prior to that, but he was, he, he played his part in a team that was winning games and, 
clearly he wasn't the most accomplished and when we managed to get Adam Rooney in uh, that made all the difference so to the top 10 to a slightly happier discussion well joint ninth uh, we've got two guys who are just about still at the club in differing ways Gary Mackay Stephen um, is the first of them now He's had his moments, absolutely, and he's probably, in fairness, won us quite a lot of points. But do you think we've seen enough of Gary Mackay, Stephen, Simon? Uh, well, o- only against Hibs. <laughs> um, no, no, we haven't. And I think if you sign a, a guy in a two-year deal and then they have injury problems through, through one of the seasons, then you obviously will feel that you know, we maybe don't know him as a player well enough. I think there's been times and, and games have been at where he's looked really electric and has been a guy where you think he is a, a cut above. Um, you know, there was the, the 4-1 game, obviously, against Hibs last year where he looked absolutely fantastic. Burnley away, I thought Mackay Stephen was, was superb away at Burnley um, as well and looked like a guy, you know, when, when the, the team was up against it, he was the guy that was going to be able to get us up the pitch and then create something for us. And um, I think he's a guy with, with real um, real skill and, and pace. I think I, I have a question mark over his mental toughness, maybe. Um, I think that he goes missing sometimes in, in big games. I think there's been games that we've had where um, some of the bigger ones where he maybe hasn't done as much as you would like. And I would say that he is a... A decent signing and the kind of guy that you know you, you enjoy watching and you think, right, he's really going to do something today and it's worth coming along to see him. But um, I think uh, the reality is that actually um, Mackay Stevens, should, with the talent he's got, should be much higher up your list than number 10. Joining him um, at joint ninth was um, Barry Robson, Martin, and he was a very important signing. He maybe didn't play quite as much as he should have done. Um, Again, had some injury problems whilst he was here and was used sparingly. But just from the importance of having him in and around that dressing room, I think can't be understated. No, absolutely not. Um, and I think that's that was probably you know, one of the, the huge reasons that he was brought in as well. Is you know, you're bringing in guys who have been captains at other clubs, you know, have played at a really good level, have played you know, played European football, played you know, lots of, you know, lots of different levels, and you know. That kind of that kind of guy coming in, you know, he's like when you talk about wanting to have leaders leaders in a dressing room. Um, I think that someone like Barry Robson, who you know, now he obviously is coaching as well, um, you know, it's very important to have someone like that there. Um, you know, and, and that's not to that's not to take away from the fact that he's that's a pretty good footballer as well. Uh, you know, though, though there isn't you no know, he's no slouch when it comes to that. Um, and I think that you know, at the time. He was he was the kind of one of the kind of perfect signings. It made per- complete utter sense him coming coming Aberdeen, um, and I think I fully justified in being on this list. Joint seventh is uh, Sam Cosgrove, Martin Sam Cosgrove, twenty one goals this season. Yet loads of people are still calling him shite. Well, I only gave him a six. Uh, because you know you, you can always have a one season wonder, um, or in Sam's case, uh, sort of. Nine week wonder or whatever he was, um, you know, he scored lot. He scored lots of goals um, that cannot be taken away from him. Which he just needs to. He just needs to continue that. He's 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 a, he's a likable guy. You know, there's there's some talent there. You know, there was obviously the the start to his Aberdeen career, which wasn't the best. Uh, but he's but he's shaking that off. Any Aberdeen player that's going to score that many goals in one season, uh, we should be happy with. He's definitely not shite. 
Um, that's that goes without saying. Uh, you know, you can you can talk about you know what type of goals or anything like that. You know, you've still got to score them. If he never scores a goal from out with out with the eighteen yard box, I won't care as long as he keeps banging him in for Aberdeen. There's an argument for saying that Cosgrove's the best signing. Because, you know, this is a guy who had done nothing at Carlisle. And if you look at what the Carlisle fans thought of him, didn't see anything in him. He'd been at Everton Youth Setup, then he'd been at Wigan, then at Carlisle. I think one goal in 12 games at Carlisle. And we paid 20 grand for him. And then half a season later, he were, at the end of it, we're talking about a guy who scored 20 or 21 goals. And we paid 20 grand. Now, to me, that's miraculous, virtually. Um, it's the kind of thing Motherwell have been doing. Going and finding guys who can who can cut it when no one else thinks they'll be able to, and uh, I would think McInnes will be pretty proud of this one. Um, it, it, you know, you're right. Uh, there's lots there's lots that Cosgrove can do better, and frankly, there's lots that he'll never be able to do better, and that he'll be you know he, he will have limitations throughout his career, and he may never have a season as good as this one ever again. But even so, you know, twenty grand. For a, on a transfer fee for a guy that ends up scoring that number of goals, and meanwhile Celtic and Rangers, you know, paid nine million for Edouard and whatever for Morelos. Um, uh, you know, the 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 value for money that we've had off of this, and I know he signed a new contract, know that he's getting paid a lot more, but at least to begin with, he wouldn't be getting paid anything like what the likes of uh, Zola and some of the others on on your uh, Duffers list were getting. And um, I think um, Cosgrove is a, a you know. He's not a miraculous player, but he's a miraculous signing, if I can put it that way. Well, alongside uh, Sam is another signing right at the outset that really set the tone, uh, I think, in a lot of ways. And he is a guy, again, often defined uh, in discussion among the Aberdeen support by his limitations, by what he couldn't do, which I always find very, very strange. It's uh, Will of Flood, Simon. Well... I, th- I scored Flood highly, and again, um, I was trying to draw the distinction between a signing and a, and a player. Um, we had gone through the um, the McGee era that was particularly grim, and we'd had some absolutely awful players coming through the door. And, you know, if you were doing this list with some of the previous eras, we'd have been all howling with laughter at some of the characters that you'd be talking about. So, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd suffered that. And then there was a period where... And Craig Brown started this, where we actually signed guys, you know, I think signings like Reynolds and, and McGinn and Hayes were massively important before um, McInnes arrived. And I would put Flood in with, with that group because he was, a, a you know, for a period, a, a really serious, proper player, a hard worker, a proper professional and capable of playing at a much, much higher standard than the kind of guys that we'd had kicking around in the the um, midfield. And, you know, we I, I don't know how many games Fergus Tiernan played in centre mid for, for Aberdeen. But, um, you know, suddenly we had a player like Flood playing in the same position, and he was much, much better. And um, it was also about the kind of competitive drive and urge. You know, you were talking about by Robson earlier, and that, that kind of torn-faced aggression that, that him and Flood... Uh, brought to bear, um, you know, hating losing, working hard, you know, shouting at teammates, all of that had been missing for what seemed like decades, and suddenly Flood arrived and, and brought that, and I know that, you know, he could sometimes have a poor first touch and all the rest of it, and he wasn't the most um, the silkiest player, and he gave away stupid bookings and all the rest of it, but, you know, um, in, in reality, this is a guy who um, elevated everything to a much higher level than it had been at before, and I think he's a really, really important signing for Aberdeen. Sixth best permanent signing is a guy that will be playing his trade in the Premiership next season. Uh, 
Saying from St Mirren that in January 2015, that for a bargain-busting fee of £175,000, Kenny McLean. Martin, we did have to wait quite a while for him to become the player we knew he could be. Yeah, we did. I mean, you know, if if there's any if there's any masochists among you there, go back and listen to some of the old ep- the old episodes of the podcast where, you know, we're 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 questioning, you know, how do we get the best out of him? Where's his best position? Two 0 you know, player, I seem to recall the phrase being. Yeah, two 0 a two 0 player. That was another thing as well. Um, you know, we didn't know we didn't know what you know, what he was, what we had. You know, was he a number ten? Should he be playing further, playing deeper? Um, we just we just didn't know. In the final six months, when the move to the move to Norwich was was confirmed, he, he, he did become you no, know, he did become you know, a much much better player. That last season, I think he was he was a it was a really good player for us, um, and it, and it go, and it shows that it was a really good bit of business. You no, know, like say, it took some time for us to fight for for him to find you know maybe it's. No, no, no disrespect to St Mirren, but moving to a club like Aberdeen, where it's going to be different. No, t- teams are going to approach you differently. Um, no, teams are going to be a little bit more, perhaps maybe, no, defend deeper against you. You're going to have to work harder to create chances. Um, it's not going to be all about no getting set pieces and all this kind of stuff. So he took a long time to find his feet at Aberdeen, um, and he got he really got flying in that last season, and we saw the best of him. And you know he's going to be playing in the English English Premiership. I mean, you know. You kind of wish him well. Hope he's going to be. Hope he's going to be doing good. Um, obviously, he's in among the Scotland squads as well now. So, I mean, we did see, we did see towards the end of his time here that there is a hell of a player in there. Um, it took it took time, which you know maybe is the thing that you know, as as supporters we have to be a little bit more patient with these young players. I'm glad to see that hasn't made a complete revisionism on him um, based on what he's done subsequent. Simon, I think sixth is probably a fair enough placing for Kenny McLean. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, you know, um, you were talking before about the sliding doors moment between Danny Ward and Adam Bogdan, and uh, the one between Kenny McLean and Peter Pollitt is possibly even more extreme. I mean, it, uh, when when uh, when McLean dislodged Pollitt from the team, I'm not the only Aberdeen fan that was absolutely horrified. Suddenly, McLean seemed to be slowing the play down a lot more. I thought Pollitt had a lot more to offer. Clearly, I know nothing about football at all. Um, uh, and now you see where where they've, they've reached. I think there was a, a period, you know, again going back to the um, McLean Hayes Christie um, 2017 season. Um, we started playing in a way with with um, you know McLean doesn't have a lot of pace, but he does have a very good eye for a pass and a very good touch. And suddenly we had guys who did have the the pace like Christie and, and Hayes playing alongside him, and it was really um, absolutely electric. And even at the end of uh, tail end of last season, when we went on the really good um, top six run uh, that that um, that eventually got us the the second place, McLean was absolutely excellent during that that run. And I, I did think that um, his lack of pace might um, count against him when he got down to the to the championship. But no, he I know he was injured for quite a bit of the the season. But in the really crucial big games at the very tail end of the season, when they were pushing for promotion, he was absolutely getting his game and. Uh, yeah, I think uh, again the, the the tragedy of him is we only had him for a short time, and we had him bedding in and sort of getting used to us and us getting used to him for at least a year of that time. So we probably only had really a couple of years of the the best out of him. But uh, yeah, uh, what is he sixth? That's probably about maybe about right. I would say. Well, just ahead of him in fifth is the guy who's probably an actual successor to him, and there's maybe just a hint of recency bias over this. 
But uh, Martin Lewis Ferguson has had, by any uh, measure, a very impressive first season. He has. I mean, we've we've waxed lyrical about him quite a lot this season. Or this is a perfect ex- excuse to do it again. A guy who comes in. Having played, I think you know, was it fifteen games or something for Hamilton? He barely, you know, no, we nobody really knew much about him. Um, thinking, you know, this guy's going to come in, going to spend a season, maybe you know, get some reserve games, get some get some first team minutes here and there, but we're not going to see anything of him. And he comes in straight in the team, straight in the team, you no, know, and then you know, wows us with a, with an overhead kick against against Burnley, uh, and then even then it's like, okay, this guy's a bit of a player, but. I don't think you know. I don't think we really knew what we were getting. You know, he's had a and he's had a tremendous season. You know, it's obviously the goal in the the goal against them at Hamden. It's been a, it's been such a such a, a good surprise. Um, thankfully, we've got him for a little while longer as well because this is the kind of guy that I think you know you want to be building your building your team around. And I gave him an eight uh, because you know, if had we had we maybe got a trophy, you know, you, you know, we get more. Um, I don't think any anybody can get anybody can get no tens without winning trophies. Uh, but no, Lewis Ferguson is one where you know delighted that we've got him. Uh, he's you know, he's such a, such a good player, and you can see there's more, much more to come from him as well. I mean, in one season, he's absolutely wowed us all. Next season is going to be very tough for him, Simon, uh, because obviously he loses Graham Shinney alongside him. He's going to have to adapt to whoever we get in to to replace that, and it is going to be uh, a mark of him to see whether he can actually make that change. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, to be honest, given um, what he achieved last year, the expectation is now that he will push on and become the sort of the number one guy, you know, uh, uh, the the central midfield enforcer um, and and probably a future captain of of the club. I think I mark this as, did I say nine for this? I think, again, going back to what I was saying about um, Cosgrove, you know, these are the kind of signings that McInnes should really be proud of because um, when we signed Kenny McLean, he was St Mirren's top scorer and captain during that season and anyone who was watching could see that there was a decent player there. But I don't know that any of us had an eye on Lewis Ferguson or even knew who he was or thought that he was somebody that the club would be after. And um, the first time I saw him was in a, a friendly against Falkirk at Arbroath and he came on as a late sub and scored the winner. And I didn't know who he was, but he was big and strong and aggressive and competitive. And I think that's, you know, what we're looking for again. Going back, you know, saying this about Barry Robson and Willow Flood, I think Ferguson's exactly the same. He's got that, you know, the, the, the sending off tackle was ridiculous, but at least he was showing that he was hurt and annoyed and aggressive and, and fired up. And um, I reckon that they'll work with him, they'll be able to to temper that kind of um, aggression and enthusiasm and we will have a real player um, on our hands. And um, the tragedy of all of this is that it's inevitable that he'll sign for Rangers. But other than that, uh, I think, you know, he's he's a guy, he's under contract for a long time, I think he's until 2022 or 2023. So I think hopefully... If, uh, if if we do everything right, we'll be able to. He'll go off to Premiership rather than than go there at least to begin with. Um, and I think that you know compared to the kind of lazy signings, and I've seen a lot of people talking about scouting networks and our signings being lazy and all the rest of it. And maybe that there is some uh, truth in those criticisms. But going and finding a guy that nobody has really noticed at age 19 and slotting him straight into your first team—that's a that's a good signing. Well, alongside Lewis Ferguson, joint fourth is uh, somebody who has made the right back spot his own. I'm sure quite a lot of you out there would have played Championship Manager back in the day, Football Manager as is now. 
Championship manager 2001-2002, if, if you had a spot to fill at right back, you would just go and buy Mike Duff from Cheltenham Town and it would be a right back position sorted for seasons to come. Well, Shea Logan's come in and basically sorted our right back position for the last five seasons now, Martin. This season he's not, he's not, he's not been as, as good as we've expected from him, but you're right, he's made it his own to the point where you know, McInnes... Whether it's a failing of the managers or not, I mean that's an argument for another day. But he's he's not felt the need to bring in bring in a, a right back to properly challenge him. You know we've got a, we've got a very we had a, we've got a very good right back there. Um, obviously picked up the injury injury this season, uh, which was really un, really unfortunate. Um, you know he came back came back towards the end of it, played a couple of games as well. But you know, th- here's a guy who came in, you know, and straight away he's playing in. He played in the semi-final, didn't he, against um, St. Johnson at Tynecastle? And obviously, he's one of those players that is, is quite easy to like because you know he's, he, he likes to noise up the opposition, gets in people's faces. No, I mean, for lack of a better term, he's basically like a wee dick. Um, you know, and that's in the nicest possible way because I think we love him for it. But you no, know, he's been you know, he's been to- really consistent at right back. Perhaps you no know, defensively, we could get a little bit more from him. Um, I think that it's fair to say that going forwards will be his strength, which would with which we still need we need, still need a tiny bit more from him. But he's been very good for us, uh, you know. And you know, I think consistency is key, and we've certainly had that from Shane Logan. In that same window, uh, we signed Adam Rooney. Now Adam Rooney had, I dare say, been on our radar for a little while based on what he'd done at Inverness, but we picked him up uh, when he was out of favour at Oldham. In the way of these things, he he just wasn't doing it at Oldham. Undeniably, a lower standard than the SPL came up here, took the S, uh, the SPL again by storm, and just immediately made an impact. Nine goals, I think, in his first half season. Obviously, the goal that took uh, that won us the the League Cup, and he is who we've rated as our third best permanent signing under Derek McInnes. Simon, he, you know, his his loss really kind of overshadowed a, a big part of this season as well. I think. Um. Well. Up to a point, possibly. I, I mean, I, I do agree, although um, my view, um, which I was expressing uh, immediately before he scored after 12 seconds in the Cup semi-final against Hibs, was that his battery had gone flat and that th- that would be his last season. And, of course, he rammed it right down the throat uh, immediately then. But there were definitely signs at that point that he was not... Um, as uh, going to be the player that or couldn't you know perform at the level he had before, and I, part of that I wonder if it was that you know um, McInnes did extremely well with the the McGinn Hayes Rooney um, trio up front was highly successful because of the the, the um, his style and you know arriving late, nicking in front of the the fullback, getting a touch at the near post, um, sliding in, um, and he scored a lot of goals that way. Um, I think uh, the, the the semi-final that you've talked about at Tynecastle, um, seeing a, an Aberdeen striker stride away from the defence and just bang it in confidently like he did to to seal the game, I think everyone thought, "Wow, you know that that you know th- that level of to, to just crack it in confidently like that, no messing around, absolutely nailed it," and then carried on in that vein for a good couple of seasons and. As we've discovered with um, Stevie May, you know, spent four hundred thousand on a striker who scored uh, uh, three goals last season. Um, actually, getting guys who can score goals is the most difficult thing. So finding someone who was able to do that for what do you get overall eighty goals or a bit more than that um, in the time he was with us. So you know that that's a tremendous signing. 
Second on the list is a man who we're losing this close season. Graham Shinney, signed in the summer of 2015 from Inverness Cali Thistle on a free transfer. And again, one of those that probably comes under the, the heading of no-brainer. He was, he was going to be a good signing. We thought he was going to solve that left-back problem. We didn't quite know what we were, you know, the extent of the versatility of the player that we were getting, Martin. Even as far, even as no, as more as recently as you no, know, within the last six months, there were still people calling for him to be played at left back. Not since well, Kazakhstan, though, not. Yeah, well, yeah, since that, yeah, what a world we live in. A guy who really a really good performer for us. You know, there was a there was a spell where you know, is you know, the bookings did kind of tot up as well, but he cleaned he cleaned that up this season. No, I think he only picked up was it two bookings this season, maybe? Oh, it's a lot more than two, but it's a lot less than last two. season. So it's okay. No, the suspensions, the suspensions weren't coming. I think that was a lot of what something that people were. You no, know, you cannot. The, the kind of their minds plays tricks on them that you think he's suspended all the time, and he certainly wasn't. But there, no, there's a guy who's came in. We knew finally was going to be a good player, like you say, Richard. He's going to be a huge miss. You know, I don't think that people are re- realised you know, what we're going to be missing from the from the midfield now. It's like it's not just the captain. It's it's, it's we're losing. Now this guy is like you no, know, he's 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 in your he's in your face. He gets you no. Know, he, he can break up the play, but he's more than that. He can you know, he can pick out passes as well. It's a guy who, you know, perhaps he isn't. I know a top top level player. You no, know, we'll we'll find out if he you know. You no, know, now he's now he's gone to Derby, but you no, know, there's a guy who, you no, know, no, really did did it all for us. And I think you know, as a captain, he was he was very good for us as well. Um, and you know, I think he's fully deserving a second place on this list. To, Ed, to me, Richard, the real mystery here is how he and his brother eluded the flimsy clutches of our scouting network in the first place. Um, you know, we we should never have been having to take this boy from uh, Inverness. Although he wouldn't have had a um, being a cup final captain if, uh, if we'd done that. So he's probably all right with that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, Shinny has been a superb player for us for, for four years, and the the challenge now, realistically, we are not going to be able to sign a like for like replacement for him. So we are going to have to find somebody who can sit in the midfield alongside Ferguson, and we're going to have to challenge Ferguson to do more than he currently does and become the senior guy. And that is the the part of the team. You know, when we look at the guys that we're signing at the moment, that is the big signing of the the summer for me. That's the big challenge. Because somebody who plays every single game at the level that he does is almost irreplaceable. Yeah, Shirley was at Dice Boys Club, wasn't he? And didn't they have some sort of link up with the Rangers? I'm thinking that was the that was a tie in there. So, you know, maybe we have obviously let quite a few uh, Aberdeen born youngsters slipped through our clutches. Um, well, Stuart Armstrong's another who was at Dice, I think, um, but didn't obviously go to Ibrox. Um, Sean Maloney is another. Um, so he, he certainly wouldn't have been the first and will not be the last local boy to have made a circuitous route back to Pataudry, but we're very glad that he did make it here for, for four important seasons. Uh, so to number one, I'm sure you've guessed by now. Uh, and again, I'm sure this is slightly informed by the fact that he recently signed a new contract to sign on again until the season 2077 or something. It's uh, Joe Lewis, who has been just a, a magnificent signing, really. The goalkeeping issue was one which caused us sleepless nights and, and cost us so many points and potential uh, routes to Cup tournaments down the years, 
again, Julius has come in and he remains, I think, one of the very best in this league as he has been throughout his time here, uh, Simon. Uh, yeah, uh, he's been an absolutely superb signing. I think, you know, even at, um, you know, I, I uh, coach my, my children's uh, uh, 2009, so uh, under 10s team, and the difference that you get in the team and when you play teams that have a good goalkeeper, it, it makes an absolutely huge difference. And, uh, and you know, professional level, we, we have suffered from having really, really poor goalkeepers and also from uh, chopping and changing. So, you know, although Langfield was probably number one for most of the 10-year period, we chopped and changed and we tried other people. And and having the same guy that plays week after week and is so reliable is really, really important. Um, I actually genuinely am very surprised that uh, other clubs, bigger clubs than us, who would pay him more, didn't come in for him. And I know that he's got, I think he lives out in the country somewhere, and I know that he likes the lifestyle in Aberdeen, and that the security of, the, of what will no doubt be a really good contract is a, bit, a big deal for him. But um, I mentioned before the Derby Leeds game I saw where the goalkeeping was awful, and you know um, I think there was the, the other the Charlton game at Wembley where there was a pass back that the goalkeeper made a horror show with, and so you're constantly watching games from down south where goalkeepers are probably earning more than Lewis and look absolutely dreadful, and so for us to actually have a guy of this quality on a long term contract I think is extraordinary, and uh, attracting him to the club in the first place. Uh, I presume they, they were able to attract him by more or less promising him um, that he'd be first choice, that he'd get uh, first team football, which he's probably struggled for a wee bit in his career before then. But um, beyond that, I think we are um, really punching above our weight with him. I think he's by far the best goalkeeper in the league. I think he is up there with, um, and you know, I've always regarded Theo Snelders as the sort of the Pele of Aberdeen goalkeeping. You know, there would never be anyone who is as good as Theo Snelders. But uh, I would say that Joe Lewis is getting to the point where he is, you know, Theo level, I would say. Wow, those are big words. Uh, and Martin, it could actually have turned out so very differently because so early in his career, he has that, well, it's not even really his mistake, I suppose, because it is just an unlucky incident. But people are going to look at that and it goes viral. But there was a goal against Maribor, which ultimately was meaningless anyway. But that could have really set things off on the wrong foot and it, he that could have affected his confidence it could have all turned out so differently so it speaks a great deal about his mental strength that he was able to overcome that and basically more or less from day one he he has looked like he's been at Aberdeen for his whole career I'm glad you used the term mental strength there I mean you know I'm not going to I'm not going to have a go at you know previous goalkeepers but we've seen you know a slew of goalkeepers come before him that have been been weak or you no know, just questionable in terms of bravery and stuff like that. That kind of thing happens to Lewis, and he brushes it off, and you no, know, you just you take you take it on the chin, and he goes ahead. And you know, like Simon Simon was mentioning there, we've said it so many times this season. He is by far the best keeper in the league. So assured, there are keepers who you know the other keepers in the league, you know. You, know, you look at like someone like McGregor, who you know is capable of making good saves and stuff in his day, but is a complete idiot and a total liability. You know, Lewis just looks. You no, know, well, you do see he does shout now and again, but it's one of those where I think he leads by example. And there's you no, know, there's a possibility you know, that next season, you know, we, you know, we will see. But there's a possibility, you know, he's in for in for a, with a shout for being the captain. Um, so good. I mean, 
know, could you could you imagine, Richard, if we did this podcast, you know, you know within the, the sort of ten years when Langfield and all these guys were in goal? Um, we've been we've been very lucky that we've been able to talk about this guy as the Aberdeen goalie. Um, he's just he's just so good. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, take all the DNA money and give him a lifetime contract. I never want to see him leave. Okay, so uh, a list that contained some names that have barely made an impression over the past six years of Aberdeen Football Club and others who will no doubt remain in people's minds for decades to come. My thanks to Martin Clues for joining me tonight. Martin, thank you for coming out of your summer hibernation. That's no problem at all, Richard. And to Simon Cato. Simon, thanks a lot. Not so, enjoyed it very much. Thanks, Richard. So, you'll probably disagree with what we just spent the last hour and 20 minutes talking about. By all means, let us know on Twitter and we'll maybe uh, share your thoughts with the masses if they're coherent enough. But there you go, we've ended up with Joe Lewis at the top of the pile and poor old Callum Morris right at the foot of it. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. That was our list of the best and worst signings of the Derek McInnes era. Uh, we'll be back at some point in the future, with another delve into AFC. Thank you, good night, and come on you Reds.